Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. Are the Lakers going for another ring or their AARP card? Simone Biles, the GOAT, comes back for one final event. Should the Pac-12 and Big 12 join forces? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and the biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Lakers took the old adage, everything that is old is new again, to new heights in free agency building after the monster Russell Westbrook trade. And joining me now from Locked On Lakers, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, if, if if Justin Timberlake brought sexy back, the Lakers are bringing 2012 back right now. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I mean, there's a real irony that several years ago, the Lakers could have kept Kent Bazemore, who had been part of a trade when they sent Steve Blake to Golden State, and they didn't because they wanted every single nickel free in order to make a pitch to LeBron that there was no way in hell he would ever say yes to. And now they've brought in Kent Bazemore, presumably at the urging of LeBron James, who is you know very involved in what they use their money for. So everything has really become, uh, like you said, 2012 full circle. After they made the Westbrook deal, they were facing a roster where under contract, they had LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Marcus Gasol. Since then, they brought in Carmelo Anthony, who's 37, Trevor Ariza, who's 36, Dwight Howard, who turns 36 this season, Wayne Ellington, 33, and Kent Bazemore, who's 32. They added Malik Monk, too, as well. But this is now a, an old roster. We know that they're all in every season that they have LeBron, but what was this the only way that they could have done this? Well, it's not the only way they could have done it by all accounts and apparently the surprise of a lot of people involved with it. They they could have done that trade with the Kings for Buddy Heald, preserved a lot of flexibility there and created what I think is, if nothing else on paper, a much cleaner fit. But, you know, that's not the Lakers are a star fueled ethos, man. I mean, it's just the way they've always been. The thing about this to me, Andy, is if Anthony Davis had been healthy. I mean, it seems like they very well could have been right back in the finals. And now they have gutted and and renovated this team. Part of me is looking at this going, I don't know, is this an overreaction to what we saw last year? You know, it's funny, actually. Brian and I talked about this earlier in the week on Locked on Lakers. And it doesn't really feel so much to me as a panic move. It may ultimately turn into an overcorrection, but it feels more to me just like, Again, this is who they are. This is their ethos. They are always going to be gunning for stars. I mean, even the year that they won the championship in 2020 and you have LeBron and AD perfectly balanced by all these different role players, you know, who brought very specific, well-tailored skill sets to the table. The reality is the plan A was Kawhi Leonard as part of a big three. And they waited that out, waited that out, lost out on a lot of different free agents. I thought recovered fairly well. But, you know, a guy like Danny Green was only available for them because he was waiting on Kawhi's decision himself. If Danny Green had not been a member of the Raptors the year before, there's no way they would have gotten him. So it just and they'd gone after Paul George the year before. This is just ultimately, I think, who the Lakers are. And the hard part 
is always figuring out the right pieces to put around stars. You know, identifying star talent is the easy part. You and I could do that just as well as Rob Palinka can do it. We, we, we know who the great players in the league are. Locked On Today is brought to you in partnership with Odyssey, your new home for music, news, sports, and podcasts. Download the Odyssey app today. Coming up, Simone Biles comes back for the final event. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Full pads and full of emotions for the New York Giants at training camp on Tuesday. What's up, everybody? This is Patricia Trainer, host of the Locked On Giants podcast. And on Tuesday, the New York Giants held their first practice in pads, a widely anticipated event. And unfortunately, the event turned a little too chippy for head coach Joe Judge's taste when after a series of spirited plays took place involving some extra pushing and shoving, there ensued an all-out melee. Now, Judge, of course, was not happy with that, especially after it was found that Daniel Jones, the team's quarterback, landed up at the bottom of the pile. Fortunately, nobody was hurt, but Judge, not happy with what he saw, sent the team on wind sprints from goal line to goal line and sprinkled in a few rapid fire push-ups for good measure. After practice was over, the players spoke about what was said, the message, and all that had transpired. And the good news is all was forgotten. Everybody is friends again. And the team doesn't anticipate that this incident will cause any fractures in the locker room. When Coach T said, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, uh, this is not what he was talking about. Philip Rivers said he isn't ruling out a return. Rivers, who retired in January after one season with the Indianapolis Colts following 16 with the Chargers, told the Los Angeles Times on Tuesday that he is staying in shape in case a situation presents itself for a late-season stint in the NFL, saying, quote, I'm just going to stay ready. I want to make sure I'm very clear. I'm not predicting I will play in December or January for that matter. One, you've got to have somebody who wants you, and two, it's got to be right. But I have not completely ruled that out. And as my producer, Ali, told me, Philip Rivers gets a glimpse at being a stay-at-home dad to 45 kids and realizes he might want to play again. Yeah, it makes sense. For the second day in a row, this is incredible. The top two finishers in the Olympic 400-meter hurdles final destroyed the world record, and the third-place finisher would have had the world record six weeks ago. Americans Sydney McLaughlin and Delilah Muhammad finished first and second in the women's 400, bringing the gold and silver home to the U.S. More on a record-setting Olympics coming up later in the show. The Chicago Bulls aren't finished with a busy offseason finalizing a sign-and-trade deal to acquire San Antonio Spurs forward DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan will sign a three-year, $85 million contract with the Bulls when the NBA's free agency moratorium is lifted Friday. San Antonio will receive forwards Thaddeus Young and Al Farouk Amino from the Bulls, as well as a future first-round pick, according to reports. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for the next couple weeks here on betonline.ag. Something to keep an eye on. NFL Super Bowl odds are out, and the Kansas City Chiefs sit atop the rankings. The betonline.ag lines to hoist the Lombardi have the Chiefs at 5-1, to one, Tampa Bay at 6-1, to one, Buffalo 11-1, to one, Green Bay 14-1, to one, 
San Francisco 14 to 1. For all your Major League Baseball, Olympics, and golf lines, Bet Online has you covered. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Here is another story you need to know. After dealing with what she called the twisties, Simone Biles had to pull herself out of the team and a number of her own personal gymnastics competitions. She's able to compete on the beam. She comes home with bronze. We will get to some of the other Olympic stuff in just a second. Let's start there. And I bring in now from Carol Levin, Dave Schwartz. And and Dave, now that we have a little bit more information on what Simone Biles was going through, what she was dealing with, we've heard from gymnasts, Um, around the country and around the world about what that is like and the disconnect between mind and body. How does this frame her going out and now winning bronze given what we knew now she's dealing with? Yeah. And I I think you were the one that told me last week uh, about um, another gymnast who had had, uh, Michaela Maroney, who had put on her Instagram feed about the twisties. And and so I actually did go back and read all that. And and you kind of, you really start to get an amazing appreciation, not just for what Simone Biles can do, but how quickly and how much that can be taken away um, with what right. she's dealing with. And, you know, she goes out this morning and she she does a decent routine, does her best. It's good enough for bronze. It's probably not quite as difficult, I think, as what she normally would have done. Uh, but she does earn a bronze and it's, it's her seventh medal that ties her with Shannon Miller for the most American medals. So I, I, with all she's been through, and, and this has been a tough time for her, this is probably you know the worst time that you could go through something like this, right? It's not just because it's a big meet, but it's because she was the face of American gymnastics, and gymnastics is the most popular sport, and it's the Olympics. I mean, everybody in the world is watching. And so you know maybe this has happened to other gymnasts at other times, but it just happened to happen to Simone Biles at the worst possible time. And she battled the best she could. She she obviously blocked a lot of the negativity out. And certainly, I'm sure you, as I have, heard plenty of negativity about her over the last couple mm. of days. Frankly, I think unwarranted. Uh, but she was able to compartmentalize it, get herself back on track, and do a really nice uh, beam routine and earn that bronze today. One other thing that I want to talk about, because we've seen it a number of times at these Olympics so far, the 400-meter hurdle in, in with the men, Norway has this incredible runner who goes out, Carson Warholm, and, and he beats Rye Benjamin from Team USA. Benjamin runs what would have been a world record. And, <laughs> and, and yet, Carson Warholm runs another world record. And we've seen this a number of times already in this Olympics where you have you have people who have to, to run or swim world records, and, and they're still not even getting the gold medal. And uh, his reaction was just so great. It was one of those, I think, you know, when you see that, when, when he when he crosses the finish line, Warholm crosses the finish line, and he's just, he's so in awe of what he just did. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of makes you appreciate how these athletes just kind of go to another place when they're competing. And it, it is really impressive. And I've seen a number of Olympics, I think of Jesse Diggins when she won gold uh, in Pyeongchang, how they they it's an almost an out of body experience for them until they finish and they realize what they've just done. And, and it was such a really cool moment. I can't imagine Norway has a lot of track, has a lot of track and field history or success in in track and field. Um, But to see him kind of, 
he rips his shirt off his chest and they have the watch party going crazy. Mm -hmm. Those are, like you said, and and you're right, 100%, that there's always those moments out of nowhere that we never see coming. And then when they happen, they're the ones that we can't forget. And and I think uh, Carson Warholm winning and setting a world record at the 400 meter were one we will be talking about for a long time. Coming up, should the Pac-12 and Big 12 combine? Our cue of the day is next. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but still delivers on all of those nutritional needs. High protein, high fiber, low net carb, low sugar, and yet taste unbelievable. Coconut, the coconut flavors, all of them. Coconut and coconut almond are awesome. And so are peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. Plus they have great Limited time flavors, I basically haven't had a bad limited time flavor yet. They're all seemingly better than the next. It's like they try to outdo themselves one after the other. And so far, guess what? They have delivered. And and you can get a mix box. You'll get two of each of their nine base flavors. You can try all of them. Order today and get raspberry if you want it or mint brownie if you want it go to built.com and use promo code locks 15 to get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code locks 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com agree or disagree this is the q of the day it may no longer be the big 12 and it could soon be maybe the pac 20 we'll see what happens here as new reports have the Big 12 and the Pac-12 discussing a partnership of some kind as Oklahoma and Texas are planning to leave for potentially greener pasture in the SEC. Joining me now to try and make sense of all of this, host of Locked on Pac-12, Sydney Robinson. And Cindy, uh, there is still a lot that needs to be discussed before anything can happen here, but where do we stand right now with these quote-unquote discussions? Yeah, so it's kind of, I won't say a shocker because the Pac-12 commissioner mentioned that they're not per se poaching any teams to add to the Pac-12. They weren't out there looking, you know, and when while all this was going on with Texas and Oklahoma, but they did, he did mention they were open to listening to offers. So he said they were happy with the teams part of the Pac-12 right now, um, you know, not not looking for nothing new, but if the right offer is on the table, who knows what could happen. So with the announcement of merger talks happening today, I will say I'm more interested in seeing what comes out of those talks, if anything at all. Um, I know that one of the new Pac-12 commissioners' main goals is to change and switch up and make better the whole TV distribution rights when it comes to Pac-12. So if there's any incentive on that front, then I could see something happening with adding some Big 12, Big 12 teams, if not the rest that are left. <laughs> what I think is particularly interesting about this potential partnership is one of the criticisms, especially of college football fans, is where there's this idea of Pac-12 after dark, right? That a lot of this yeah. these, these great moments happen after everyone on the East Coast goes to bed. Well, if you bring in a bunch of teams that are in the central time zone, now all of a sudden you might have Oregon playing, you know, against Oklahoma State and it's a it's a seven o'clock central time tip. And now all of a sudden you're you're able to exactly as you're saying, expand 
the markets for the Pac-12 beyond what it otherwise could have had from from a strictly business standpoint. That seems to make sense to me. What do you think? So it definitely seems beneficial because, I mean, it'll be earlier games for everybody, even us on the West Coast, um, which was great because even me staying up to like 8, 9, 10, well, like the 9, 10 o'clock, you know, era, you're like, oh, okay, do I still want to keep watching football? Even though those games have been great, they have been. But um, yeah, it'll definitely give more opportunities for, you know, to be see- the Pac-12 to be seen on TV nationally at that. Um, and that's really the goal because you do want to be considered in that mix of, you know, national polls as well. And just the expansion of being able to play teams, like you said, like an Oklahoma State, um, you know, and just expanding the reach of the Pac-12 could be beneficial for the conference overall. Now, I feel like Pac-20 sounds so hectic, like <laughs> it does, or I guess 20-pack, whatever the little, you know, like joke it will, it will be. Yeah, 25 sounds kind of, you know, it, it, it's a little more t- uh, catchier. But I think I'll be more interested in to see how they, like, figure out the schedule. Because right now, it's already at a place where each Pac-12 team does not play every team um, every year. Uh, the Pac-12 North and Pac-12 South are divided. And then, so Pac-12 North will play all the Pac-12 North teams. And then some of the Pac-12 South teams and vice versa. So I think whoever has to build out those schedules. We'll have a tough time with even more teams to figure it all out, um, but it'll be exciting. Because of the University of Texas's decision to jump from the Big 12 to the Southeastern Conference, the state legislature started hearings about the future of college sports in the Lone Star State. University of Texas President Jay Hartzell testified to a Texas State Senate committee and there were some funny moments, just not for Longhorns fans. What's your athletic budget? It's over $200 million. It's probably 220 225 in that range. Where does that put you in the U.S.? Depending on the, how you count, probably first. That's without a winning football team of late. It's in spite of our football team. We've, we've been winning, just not like we like to win. Three and seven against the Horned Frogs. Um, <laughs> so um, maybe your fan base would rather lose to Alabama than TCU, so... Absolutely incredible. And Texas fans can't even be mad. They know. They know their football team is not good enough despite the amount of money that they're spending on it. So it's one of those where it's funny because it's true and the truth hurts. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Listen to Locked on Bets. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts coming up on Thursday. Will any more world records fall in Tokyo? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.